0: Martinez Keel.
1: And I'm Dale Denwalt. You're listening to The Source.
0: Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them.
1: Oklahoma teachers are returning to school this month amid continued controversy over House Bill 1775, a year-old law that was invoked last month to penalize Mustang and Tulsa Public Schools. Critics have said the law and the way Oklahoma State Board of Education applied it creates a chilling effect in classroom discussions about topics like race and gender. My co-host, Nuria, has written extensively about the law and the effect it's had on lesson plans and even books used in the classroom. For the benefit of people who aren't up-to-date, Nuria, what is House Bill 1775 and how has it been used?
0: Right, so... House Bill 1775, like you said, came into effect last year. A lot of people really fixate on the part of the law that applies to K-12 schools. There are some other pieces of this that applies to colleges and universities, but for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to talk about K-12 schools. It has eight concepts that it explicitly says teachers and schools cannot teach or say in a course, you know, whether that's a teacher training course or an actual classroom lesson. Instead of going through the full list, I can give a couple of examples. The top one that people most often reference is you can't say that one sex or race is superior to another sex or race um, that a person should feel discomfort or guilt or anguish on account of their sex or race or that a person is inherently racist so there's a lot of specific things contained within this law that teachers have had to decipher um, but we've seen over the past year you know i spoke with a teacher who kept a printed copy of it in his classroom, in his high school government classroom in Putnam City, and he said, okay, if I don't teach these eight things, I'm fine. And I think we've seen uh, a lot of teachers had a rude awakening this summer um, when we've seen how the spirit of the law has been applied.
1: Right. One major criticism that we've heard is that the law is confusing and imprecise. You're talking about the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. This, This teacher had the letter of the law in his classroom, but I think in your reporting and what we're seeing is that there is really concern about about specifically the State Board of Education applying the spirit of the law. So specifically, you've talked with teachers who are terrified of losing their license or just causing trouble for their school district if someone complains. Aside from the sanctions we've already seen against Tulsa and Mustang, what's been the effect on classrooms?
0: Yeah, so I think just to harken back to the beginning of your question, Dale, I think when this bill was passed, people criticized it for being vague and confusing. And now we're seeing what was called vague and confusing, taken out in a, in a more broad sense in terms of, okay, what statements could these banned concepts inspire? You know, we saw with Tulsa Public Schools, they didn't they didn't teach one of the banned statements, but they had in a professional development course for teachers something that the State Department of Education believed to be inspired by one of those eight banned concepts. So now we're seeing it broadening a little bit, and I think that we're seeing even more concern from teachers who, who are saying, you know, I used to be able to think, okay, I didn't teach one of the Band concepts, I should be fine. And now, what we're seeing with some of these schools is, you know, they're taking extra precautions to avoid discomfort at any level for, for students or for teachers who might object to this. Just to give you an example, uh, over at Mustang, what, what really caught them was uh, a student felt uncomfortable in a certain leadership activity where they were being asked questions like, have you ever experienced discrimination on account of your race or sex? And because a student felt uncomfortable, the school district and the state decided, well, that violates House Bill 1775 because it says that teachers can't teach that someone should feel discomfort on account of their race or sex. And so now that we're seeing a district have its accreditation lowered because someone felt discomfort, there are a lot of teachers out there th- who are worried. You know, if that's all it takes, that's concerning to them. Um, so what we've seen uh, is, I spoke with a teacher who wouldn't teach the book *Killers of the Flower Moon*. She didn't teach it last year. She said she's not going to teach it this year because you know that is the the history of uh, the murders of members of the Osage Nation, and she said you know this book deals a lot with race. You know, these folks were, were systematically killed. Um, you know, who were Native American, and so she's like, I'm not going to risk my teaching license to to teach the this book. You know, I spoke with a, a teacher at Northwest Class in high school here in Oklahoma City who liked to infuse real-world statistics in her math class. She said, we have a highly diverse high school here. We really want to reflect the reality of the communities that these kids come from. And, you know, so to do that, to better drive home math for them, she would use statistics of, like I- incarceration rates. Or the example she gave to me as well was uh, rates of homicide a- against transgender individuals, which these are head- Heavy topics but you know she's saying that this these are real things for the communities that these kids come from and she's taken that out of her lesson plan this year she's not gonna teach that this year she said I'm gonna do plain boring no context numbers because I can't risk my district like that Um, so we are seeing some teachers temper what they bring to the classroom over this law.
1: So it's it's very clear that some educators are changing how they teach. You also spoke with people like a uh, history teacher, Melinda Rice, who said that she will cover topics like the Tulsa Race Massacre and the Holocaust the same way that she has for years. No change. Is this confidence or defiance? Hmm.
0: It's an interesting question. Um, I would say confidence because these are things that are in our state standards. Schools have to teach about the Tulsa race massacre. If it's in the state standards, then public schools have to teach it. Um, and so I think there are, you know, Melinda Rice, for example, she is a history teacher down at Comanche High School in southern Oklahoma. Um, and I think she and other social studies teachers take some comfort in the fact that the social studies standards are very comprehensive, um, and so you know it, it. There's been a lot of misconstruing of this bill, saying that teachers can no longer teach the Tulsa race massacre. That is not true. They still can, and she's going to continue to do that. Um, and it, partly because she has to, and also partly because she believes this is our state's history that that kids need to know. And you know, one thing she told me was part of what a teacher and especially a a history teacher does is to not try to indoctrinate a student, but it is to equip them with facts, equip them with critical thinking so that they can make up their own minds. So I think, and she, you know, it's it's interesting to talk to her because she says, I have an open door policy. I let all of my parents know, you know, every year I contact lawmakers and let everybody know that if you want to come and sit in my classroom, you can. There's an open door policy. You can come anytime if you want to observe. So I think she's got a lot of confidence. I wouldn't call her um, in, in a place of defiance.
1: No, she's not shaking her fist at the state we could go on and on and on and make you know three podcasts about this topic i'm sure but you also wrote this week uh, about something else so let's shift gears a bit we learned that there are still hundreds of unfilled teaching positions and and today is you know august 10th school starts in a matter of days kids have their clothes they've got their backpack but there're still hundreds of positions across the state where schools need a teacher. How are school districts responding to the teacher shortage?
0: Yeah, so by the time this podcast comes out, most of the school districts in the Oklahoma City metro area will be in school. A lot of them started Wednesday and Thursday of this week. The biggest district here in in the metro, uh, which is OKCPS, I was at their school board meeting on Monday where the superintendent said they have 75 teacher openings or classroom positions still open. To put that in context, they are about 97% staffed is what the superintendent said. So most of their teaching jobs are filled. It's a big district. 75 jobs is only a a fraction, a tiny fraction. But that is still 75 classrooms that don't have a full-time teacher. We're seeing a lot of districts across the state Having to rely on emergency certified teachers. These are people who have a bachelor's degree but aren't traditionally trained teachers. They are not certified through the typical pathway. This is something that school districts have relied on um, in increasing fashion over the past several years um, and to really highlight what this what sets this summer apart? The State Department of Education issued one thousand four hundred and seventy three emergency certifications in the month of July. That is an all time high for a single month for emergency certifications in this state.
1: This is obviously an issue that's been going on for a while, and it, so much so that I reported on this very same issue earlier in my career. And to to, to imagine, you said uh, over fourteen hundred, I think, emergency certifications just for one month. I remember. Like six years ago, there being, you know, almost panic uh, at the number of emergency certifications being approved uh, because you've got people with no teaching experience, no pedagogical experience or training stepping into the classroom and having to rely on that. I'll, I'll let you finish your thought, but, you know, it's, it seems like this, this really has uh, persisted.
0: It absolutely has. I mean, if you I would have to pull up the, the, the data to it's hard to recite from the top of my head, but we have easily had over 3000 emergency certifications each of the past three years, I would say. Um, so this is definitely an issue that has It has been a problem. This is not a new problem. Anybody who's looked at the headlines in Oklahoma over the past five years knows that we've had a teaching shortage. There are a lot of emergency certified teachers, but the fact that we've reached an all-time high this summer shows that it seems to be escalating because as well as all of these emergency certified teachers coming in, we still have quite a few teaching jobs that are still unfilled. Um, And these are even districts like... Deer Creek Public Schools, for example, that is in one of the wealthiest parts of the Oklahoma City metro area that's still reported having trouble finding teachers to come and work there. Um, And, you know, I spoke with a superintendent who said the candidates just are not there. We're seeing an ongoing issue coming to a head with the lack of future teachers graduating into the profession. From 2010 to 2020, the number of students enrolled in teacher preparation programs, which is like the OSU College of Education, the OU College of Education, for example, the number of people enrolled in those programs has fallen by 80% over that decade. That is more than any other state. So we have seen where this is going. And now we have a private sector market where there are lots and lots of jobs everywhere. And superintendents are saying it is so hard right now to make a teaching job as attractive as a private sector job, so it's it's a lot of different factors. Um, you know, some teachers will tell you the the climate created by things like House Bill seventeen seventy five also is not really encouraging people to get into education. The fact that the state budget for education was held relatively flat this year, despite. Inflation happening. Superintendents say that's also not very encouraging for teaching candidates um, to, to jump into schools right now. So it's been a problem, like you said, Dale, but superintendents are saying it's really pronounced this year.
1: Well, those are some incredible statistics. This year, the governor, Kevin Stitt, he promoted legislation that could push uh, some teacher salaries up to $100,000 a year. And this is for, you know, some teachers and you've got to meet standards and this not everybody gets it. But the incentive is there. Could this plan help keep teachers in Oklahoma?
0: I think the governor hopes it will. Uh, just to put this into context, I mean, I don't think we're going to see a lot of teachers making $100,000 a year. Because when you look at that, the, the salary structure that teachers make now, and then what this new legislation would, would bring to that, it, it's more likely to be maybe $3,500 or $5,000 tacked on. Um, yes, you theoretically could go up to $100,000, but the district is going to have to pay half of whatever the salary raise is. So they're going to take some, some excess lottery funds and apply it And that's how half of these raises are are paid is with excess lottery funds, but the school district has to pay the second half. And I think you would be hard pressed to find a district that could pay an extra $50,000 for a pay raise for a teacher. You never rule these things out, but that just looking at the scale, that would be on the very extreme end of what this legislation would have done. And and the way that teachers would get this is you have to meet certain certifications. You know, usually that involves being a lead teacher and mentoring other teachers. And the higher your certification goes and the higher your raise is, the less time you spend in the classroom. And that's all laid out in in the bill. So, you know, (laughs) one thing that I, you know, I I talked with the superintendent who, who had trouble with Uh, staffing this summer. And I asked him, you know, did you have room in your budget for this? And we're not even talking about the 100,000. We're talking about any modicum of raise. You know, did you have room in your budget to even implement this? And he said, no. Because again, the state funding for public schools was relatively flat this year. I think it raised by a half percent, and they're also dealing with inflation. So the cost of just operating a school is even higher this year. So, you know, maybe it will help in some places, but I don't know if there's a lot of optimism around that in terms of making a measurable difference in a widespread scale.
1: This is all very fascinating stuff and to the listeners if you haven't followed Nuria on Twitter and social media and if you're not following her articles please do because th- there's a lot of news coming out of education not just the e- education department but you know there's a lot of politics going on there's a lot of money stuff going on um, policy issues seems like every day and it's it's not just one school you know you're covering You know, dozens of schools and there's really important news coming out of a lot of them. So I I very much thank you for your coverage of this stuff. Thank you, Dale. Thanks for agreeing to talk about it this week. Absolutely. Once again, to our listeners, thank you for joining us. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.